Okay, okay, okay. Hello. This is Rich Ryan, Reinforced Running Podcast. We are dropping the second installment of our OCR Stars ongoing series. My friend Jack Bauer joins me, and today we talk about the mile. We recap it. We talk all about some different things for OCR Stars and how to get your scores submitted and things you should worry about, things you should not worry about, and just how to keep things moving. So we talk about the mile, who did well, and why the mile is awesome. Then we talk about the gripper chipper. And that's just talking about some strategies and what we're going to personally do, some things that we're guiding our athletes that we're coaching to do, and just a lot of good info here. So we do a deep dive on that. We also talk about who we think is going to do well and who are going to climb up the scoreboard after event two. So a lot of cool stuff coming, and we're going to keep this going every week after an, an event has concluded so that we can keep you up to date and just so because it's fun to talk about and it's a cool thing and this is fun to do and this is a great sport and we want to keep this rolling okay all right cool and also something that i did want to put on your radar is a lot of times the podcast we do talk about strength training and and one thing that we have found is that the off season is, is really when it starts to kind of peak up for people that they want to kind of get in involved in some more strength training but what a major problem that pops up for athletes is they just don't seem to have the time. Uh, they're not sure what movements or style of training will work. And they're just not as accountable to strength training as they are to running. So it's really easy to skip. So uh, I know it's difficult to implement a strength training plan. So what we did is we sat down and we are excited that we came up with something that will help with all of these problems. And we are offering a coaching program that will give you the confidence to do the training that will actually make you stronger and faster. So you will get the workouts that will make you a better runner or obstacle course race athlete. You will get video directions to make sure you're learning proper form. You'll get mobility workouts so that you're staying strong, healthy, and flexible. And most important, you're going to have a live coach who is implementing this training for you to help stay accountable. Then you actually do the work so you can get stronger. And like I said, we're offering two different strength training coaching programs. One is specifically for the runner. The other is for the obstacle course race athlete. And we are running a promo right now as we are launching this. The coaching program is going to be $19 a month. You can lock in your spot at that price with a link in the show notes. Or if you want to stick around to the end of the episode, we'll give you a chance to get your first month at a deep, deep discount. Cool. So as always, hit us up with questions about the program or about coaching or about OCR stars, whatever you got, we're here to answer that. So here is my friend, Jack Bauer. So Jack, man, I appreciate you joining me You're from the East Coast this time. Definitely. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little earlier than I'm used to, but realistically, same time of day. And now, like, it's been humid this, I mean, at least in Philadelphia, I'm guessing in New Hampshire, it's also probably a little humid. Is it, like, thick? Is it, like, feel good to breathe? Can you well, can you bring it all in? Coming from Colorado, uh, a humid day for us is about 20%. Um, so, yeah, th- it definitely feels a little soupier at this time of year. And it was crazy because I came in um, the, the night of Halloween. I, I flew in. Then the next day, it was, like, slushy and just that leftover snow, and it rained. And I was like, crap, I, I'm going to be just like what i grew up in in new hampshire it's gonna be that nasty weather at the start of november and it's been (laughs) 65 70 degrees and sunny the past three four days so i'm like all right i like this this works it feels like spring it's been actually awesome for once yeah yeah, for once and that is hit at the right time especially for these events that we're going to talk about today so today we're going to talk about the mile i want to recap ocr stars the mile Uh, i want to talk about 
you running the mile. That was a surprise to me. I saw your name pop up. I was all jazzed up. I was like, Jack Bauer's in the mix. And then not so much. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's participating. Maybe we'll get like yeah, a, yeah. a particip- yeah. participation. We, we can go into that later. Yeah. yeah, totally. So I want to talk about um, a little bit of that. But first, when we, when we get into it, I want to talk about the submission process. I want to kind of go over the way that OCR starts is kind of laid out things to the best of our knowledge. I mean, we don't have any like insider info really, but we've gone through and we we kind of can figure out what is what, because there is definitely some confusion on that end. And then just, um, just trying to make things as clear as possible. And then just talking about how they're kind of updating things. Then I want to get into the mile, how you ran, how I ran, how the field ran, and then we'll get into gripper chipper and some strategies to go about with that next workout, which is workout number two, which you can do right now. You can do that as soon as you want. So, Jack, the submission process for everything. How did you feel about getting your score in? Because there seemed to be a lot of questions about like what needed to be done and how to do it. Did you find it intuitive or were you kind of scrambling as well? I mean, I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but it's not hard to submit a score. Like, <laughs> just saying, a lot of people had, you, you know, you submit your homework online in college through the, and this, that's like a decade plus ago. And, you know, you have to submit various things for work online. It's not really that different. I just logged in. I was doing it on my phone at the track, had my app, um, and then basically just signed in the competition corner. It says, fill in your, submit your time, choose your event give a link with, to your YouTube video or Strava link, whatever it was, and then submit. And then it's green if it's good or not. Like I, I thought it was idiot proof personally. Once it came up, I think what people got confused was the video versus the Strava link, because it didn't necessarily say put your Strava link here. And I think a lot of people thought everyone had to submit a video. And it sounds like OCR stars and Hunter just wanted like the top 10 of the elite to put in there scores yeah more it, it was more like if you think you're gonna break five minutes as a male or like 540 as a female you should probably do a video i i just kind of thought of it as if you think you're gonna win a prize in your division or you're just on the cusp of it like j- just like the olympics you always have a couple people end up getting dq'd for like doping or something like not that i think that's going on here but you know if if you're in that next pack where you think there's a potential where you might get bumped up that's when you should have prepared yourself because you don't want to do this twice this is a painful race yeah, and then like they didn't want to see people doing like three laps. It also said ha- be within the frame of the camera. I couldn't imagine someone like getting out of the frame and cutting ninety degrees and cutting directly across like the end zone from track to track. <laughs> no, your, your your GPS data will reveal that also. Like, I, and honestly, uh, I I don't know if you saw my video. We we can go over what I did, but um, or you know my my whole past month or so experience, but. I just literally took the phone, went on to Wad Prep or, or Wad Proof, whatever yeah. the app was, which he gave us a month heads up. And I've known CrossFitters have used that for years. I just held it up. It has a clock right in the front. And I just ran with it in my right or left hand, depending on you know where I was in the track. You can't screw that up. It's got my shadow and all the like. Oh, you held it. I held it because I, I just went to the track and there were 50 people walking around. I'm like, I'm going to leave my, my phone alone and uh in the corner not that anyone's really going to take it but i just didn't want to never know be you didn't want to be 200 yards away when that happens basically i thought about the, i thought about the same thing i was like ah, i'm gonna stick it here hopefully this will be quick and i can get back yeah. to it and, uh, and just hopefully it's still there but yeah in your it gives case, you incentive to run fast i guess <laughs> yeah i guess so and just like check checking up on it and but in your case like you weren't necessarily 
full throttle. Like you meant, you've talked about some of your Achilles woes. So it sucks. Yeah. I don't, have you ever dealt with that injury? I have man. And it's, it's rough. Cause it's one of those that you, you think you can kind of run on and it feels okay for a little bit. And like you can run for like two minutes pain-free and then like it's back. And yeah, that is hundred percent. It, it, it's the weirdest thing because my quads and my hamstrings and my cat, I, they have never felt better. Like, I don't feel like I've got those heavy legs or anything because I've just been doing a crap ton of cross training. So, so what happened is I did some box jumps preparing for it. And just on one of the, the down jumps, I guess, um, at the end of September, early October, I forget the exact date, I just landed weird. And I was like, whoa, that did not feel good. So I, I kind of went proactive, started doing a lot of cross training just on the uh, the air bike, like a, a madman, because that's not really high impact. I was doing a bunch of rowing um and, and just some other cross training and legs started feeling good i was maintaining my fitness because as long as you're kind of breathing in the right zone um you, you can still get a hard effort in a lot of that cross training and went to go, go on a run randomly with vj because he moved to colorado springs um i went with him a few weeks ago and i made it like seven minutes and i tripped twice within the first seven minutes like not even half a mile into the the climb on a route that might have been an inch off the ground just because i could not lift my my, uh, my leg enough. And I was like, okay, just going to go back to doing this again. We'll rest a little bit. Um, and I, I decided that I was not going to do the competition period. I went right. got dry needling, um, in my Achilles, which is so fun. Let me tell you, getting pricked <laughs> with needles in your Achilles. Sounds is, great. It's a really enjoyable process. Uh, and my chiropractor, he's a sports chiropractor. He knows everything that I do. He, he's used to me beating myself up and coming in. He's like, don't do this all out. Like this is a, bad idea if you do um and i was like you know i i think he's right it, it this is the one competition of the year i'd like to you know do have done it but right. um so, so i ended up still cross training and then like the whole week walking upstairs and everything it felt just great and i was like it's been about a, a month since i've done more than seven total minutes of running and that was my only day that i did it and i um i josh uh chase who's one davis and chase uh for obstacle racing media um, he's one of the hosts. He lives in Southern New Hampshire and we were all going to meet up with a few other people before I called it off. And I was like, wait, Josh, you're still in the area. Do you want me to pace you? If, if I can run, like he wanted to go for a 640 mile. I'm like, I can do that. I'm, I'm positive. And so I just paced him to it. He'll give a recap this week. I was on the money for pacing for him. Let's he ran a, he ran a 638.9. Like it was nice. He needed, he needed to average 100 every lap, and I averaged like 99.5 or so. For, it was perfect for him. But uh, so I did that, and I ended up like feeling great. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I can just get some points on the board, just see how it is. So I submitted my 640, and I was like, all right, that's dead last. Maybe I can just see what I can do tomorrow <laughs> if, I, if I could still run. Did my warm up felt pretty good, but I was like, I'm not going to do that hard turnover. It was more like what, what would, uh, roughly like an hour effort be that without, mm. you know, trying to go too hard, but I still wanted to get something in. And so I just got a five thirty eight or nine. And I was like, that's, that's as fast as I'm comfortable doing now. And I, now my Achilles is hurting a little bit. So I feel like it was kind of a, a bad idea. Not, not like bad, but it's one of those things that just doesn't go away. It's yeah. It's, it didn't progress you down the road for, for being injury free it doesn't sound yeah. like it set you back too much and it's not ton no. of volume but it is just one of those things that like that you just hope that it's gone and it just like slowly creeps back you might be okay for seven minutes nine minutes but then one run it just is gone that happens sometimes it's not, yeah. it's not something that lingers either there or it is 
not there. So it's it's the pretty frustrating that, that way. The way that I see it, John Albin is taking off a crap ton of time right now because he had a broken foot. Uh, Bracken did the smart thing with recovery. Kirk went five months without running. It's like you're still going to come back fine. As long as your heart rate's getting up over the course of the year, I'm going to be fine. I, I might just not run for another month or so just to – stretch it out. I was just talking to someone who's coming out of like the same exact scenario where she had, a, had an injury that she was kind of battling through all last year. And then as she, and she just wanted to kind of stay in some sort of shape just because there's always races coming up and just never got healthy. So like, this is actually a, a kind of exciting opportunity for that. It's like, just shut it down and then slowly build up and you'll come back stronger than what you were at 80% of health because, and just trying to get to the starting line because you've already built up this fitness and it's hard to call it in the middle of season for that reason. And especially Spartan that has so many races and they're just kind of layered back to back to back that now if that you can actually chill out and, and take some time, it'll be like a really good opportunity to be able to build past where you currently were so that when it's time to race again, who knows, you'll be at least healthy. So yep. yeah, basically you need to get out of shape to get in shape, but it won't, go too far back and my chiropractor just injuries in general i thought this was a really interesting philosophy on it he told me that a lot of people who have like an achilles or some some type of injury but achilles specifically just due to the healing nature of it um they basically it starts out acute where it's just in a certain area it hasn't been lasting too long it wasn't like a years and year type of thing and then they kind of just push through it a little bit and then they end up getting a little bit injured have to take some time off and then they rush back too fast because their contract depends on them playing mm. and then they just start getting all these injections or other, all these alternative therapies and then they start taking uh, practice off so that they can only be ready for the game but they're still fit enough that they can compete but because they're not practicing they're kind of losing out on that that whole like ability to really get in a good training cycle and stuff and then if you, you lose your game fitness you lose your explosiveness and then they just keep faking their way through fitness and it only lasts so long so all these people who end up with achilles injuries for some reason that that seems to just take them out if they don't properly treat it uh sooner than later so i'm just being smart with it yeah just scary ones that's good that you're doing that so yeah. when you did your mile when you recorded it you had the video yep but how did you know when you were done how did I know I was done? How do you know when you're done with four laps around a track? Mm -hmm. Cause I started at a line and I crossed it four times. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. So what's your take on that? Cause I know we've, we've had some behind the microphone conversations about this topic and I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. So to me, it, it is a tough pill to swallow sometimes because when your GPS data comes back and it contradicts what you know, as like a metric, mile on a track something that is paced out or if you do a, a course right like if you run a 10k that is measured say directly down the middle or or takes tangents takes a direct line and you run your race and you said oh my god like this was this was 6.4 miles so my pace was actually this like this is my time so it's hard to to take what actually happened in reality based off the time that passed while you were running and then look at it versus of these metrics that you've come to trust. And when the metrics are faster than what your watch says, you want to go with the metrics. You want to go with Strava. You want to think that your track is wrong and it's not. It's never wrong. The track is never wrong. It's not wrong. Like, I don't care what you think. I don't And if it, if it's confusing, then you need to have a backup plan. But when you run your four laps and if you finish in five minutes and then you, you pull up Garmin Connector Strava and it says your average pace was 440, but still the four laps and the amount of time it took for you 
to start and stop your watch was five, it took you five minutes. There wasn't an alternate reality that happened in which you finished 15 seconds faster than what you literally did. Yeah. But it's just that it comes up faster. So like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I screwed something up. Maybe the watch had it. Like maybe this is something that actually, that I was faster. And it's just like, it's hard to see a faster time and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take the slower one. But that's how it works. <laughs> that's how it's always it, going it, way, to work. <laughs> the way that I see it is it's kind of like wrist-based heart rate. You're going to get pretty close, but it's not perfect. 100%. You know for sure you get that chest strap on there, it's going to be more accurate. If you know for sure that someone else who designed this and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this track that's hosting professional, or not professional, but like high school or maybe college meets, they're not going to do something if it's measured wrong. It might be like an inch wrong because of you know some temperature expansion and contraction or something, but that thing is 400 meters for a lap. You they need know to how run to do 16. It. Yeah. <laughs> There's a blueprint. Yep. It, you not- go to Europe, Asia, Africa, whatever. It's the same exact thing. They have more, are all around the world. They host the Olympics, every continent there, they exist. And the thing with like, so this is the kind of analogy I've been using in my head when, when thinking about this is that when, when we had those like Nokia phones with like snake on them, right? Like way back in the day, little bricks, like we yeah. didn't think that that sucked. Um, we thought that was cool. Cause that's all we had. We thought that was really great. Awesome technology. But in hindsight, like that technology is now bad. And I think that that's where Garmin and Strava, that's where they are. Like, it is not that good. It, 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 yeah. it, it's not as good. It's not just completely tracking you and following you around. It's not like a device that's like like a constant fo- like tracking, following you around, like getting a line for everything. Like, it picks you up and, and loses you. And like, it can, there's other factors there. It's just not as good as you think it is. And both of those companies present it in a way that they're right and, and the runner is wrong. So it's like, and that's kind of my beef with them. It's like, they're never going to say like, Hey, by the way, this doesn't really work on a track. Like they don't say that there's not yeah. even a mode. You can't even turn off the GPS to run like a track mode or something. It's just, just like arrogance behind the company and they're not good. They're just hiding how the, the products are like really not that, that on point right now. So that's just something to keep in mind. Like when you're doing this, like what you said with the heart rate data, like wrist space is like fine. Like it's not like you shouldn't train by it. It's just not there yet. Yeah, I'm actually looking this up because I remember Joshua Shep, the guy who just set the 5K world record, he posted something on Strava, a 5K world record, and it said 5.02 kilometers. He literally ran a world record at a certified meet, and it was still off by 0.02 on on a legal track. Right. Like, that's not how it works. Um, So people want that to, to... To count, it doesn't. They'll find out. Like if you put your running time yeah. versus your split time, that happened to a guy who was one of the faster times on the early submissions. I went in and looked at us because I didn't know who he was, and his time was like seven seconds slower on like his stop time on like his running time than yeah. his like average pace time. So they'll find out. I mean, can you imagine just going to a track? You're like you're looking at it and. You, you start at the official. St- Everyone seems to know where the start line is for some reason, and then you're like. 1570 meters you're like this is a good place to stop why would that's not how it is you never see Usain Bolt being like I think I've got 100 meters that's where I'm gonna stop <laughs> this like, is it everybody but, stops at different points because their watch yeah. tells them and that's the winner or whatever the watch says yeah yeah, yeah. Won that race. I guess we probably take it for granted just because we have like a track background but I feel like a lot of if you're running a five minute mile or you're a decent enough runner where I would think that you just you know if it's wrong or not at that point but it's just know. like I said, it's a tough pill to swallow. Sometimes I'll do it too. I was like, maybe this is right. Maybe this, uh, yeah, 
Maybe I'm running really fast right now. When it's like, it, uh, so I ran. Uh, I'm gonna pull this up. I so I paced Josh Chase to his 6:38 mile the other day, and that thing had uh, 1.0 yeah 1.08 miles around the track. I ran the exact same run, and it's 1.04 for my mile at the same exact same exact right. track, same exact start and end point. Uh, my run, okay, it said zero feet gained. The one that I did with Josh, that one says, okay, also zero feet gain. But I've seen a couple on some. the track. It says seven feet gain. What? That, that doesn't make any sense. So don't believe your GPS. All their GPS is, watch is doing is triangulating a bunch of satellites that are dozens of miles up in the sky. And it's trying to pinpoint your location as your arm is swinging and you're trying to run away in different, you know, different locations from it. It's not going to be 100% accurate, but... The way to be accurate is you should have just run same start and end point four times. Four laps. And yep. if that's uh, a case down the road for the six mile, which we'll talk about next week, but um, I don't know how that's actually going to work. Um, so that's one thing in terms of tracking. That was just a, a, a public service announcement. Like, yeah. I, like and I think you're right. I think we do take it for granted. And I don't have these conversations with people that often. It's like, hey, if you go to the track, this is how it works. This is how it measures. It's like, don't worry about your watch. Like, it's going to be wrong. If you're going to mm-hmm. like, I'll, like it can be okay for like one lap. So if you want to hit the split every lap, then okay. Then that'll be kind of close every 200 meters maybe. But like, if you're going to let it roll for 800 meters a mile, like it's going to be wrong. Yep. So one thing with this, there has been back to OCR stars with OCR stars. There's been how like, to get updates on things. This has also been a little murky. There seem to be most of the updates are coming from, like Instagram stories. And I wish it that wasn't the case because sometimes the updates are on Hunter's Instagram and sometimes on OCR stars, Instagram. Sometimes it's Hunter just doing Hunter stuff. Sometimes it's like pertinent information that would be helpful to know about submissions. So if you're not quite sure, I guess you just kind of have to follow them both and watch all the stories on Instagram. Um, in terms of like the submission dates, because there was a discrepancy with the submission dates as well. I was under the un- understanding that after the official announcement on Monday, you had until Friday to complete and submit your, your score. But it turns out you could do it anytime on Monday and submit your score by 3 p.m. Pacific time on Saturday. So it really kind of opened up a lot of things. And, th- and those kind of announcements came via Instagram stories. So... Yeah, I wish that really wasn't the case. Uh, there should probably be something a little bit more official if we're going to be critical here in terms of like an email or um, even if it's just something that's really simple. And that's the same way with the standards that I'm sure people are asking a ton of questions about the standards. Um, but there are there seems to be a hard way to get updates on things that are actually changing on this. Um, were you able to follow along pretty well or did you just kind of know what was going on so so i think a lot of hunter has a bigger individual presence than ocr stars the account online and he does a bunch of videos throughout the day on his stories so if you've you know you see that he's got 27 stories you're like i'm not gonna watch them all you don't even know if there's one guaranteed you might get lost in translation um or, or just lost in the mix essentially ocr stars i thought that they did a pretty good job essentially linking whenever there was a big event or, or, or a big announcement, but just due to their outreach, I don't know if it reached everybody. Right. Um, and not everybody who's doing this contest has Instagram either. 
Um, I, I'd like to think most people would be able to, you know, just go on Instagram.com slash whatever if they don't have it just so they could find the, the website. Um, but even stuff where, you know, it's an automated blast email, I don't know if everybody's going to read that either. So it, it, the way that they potentially could have got around that is at the submissioning, just a big, like all uppercase, underline, bold it on, on the thing. It's like submissions do blank on blank. Just specify the date time and time zone and then you're just kind of foolproof but i think that most people were under the impression just get it done early in the week so that it might give them the chance to redo it if they think they can improve in their time but also it just eliminates the last minute scrambling and hoping hunter's free or his team is free enough at the end to answer questions and and you know avoid a mix-up at the end because that's the thing right you don't want to not have your score submitted. So even like on the website currently and on competition corner currently, it still has the dates that conflict with what the Instagram stories said or when they actually were accepting submissions. So, and as this competition was starting, I was like, okay, we're just going to have to accept that this is going to be uh, a challenge from uh, OCR stars in terms of taking in all of this data. This isn't a huge company that has this big platform that's already put in place. This is brand new and they're just trying to piece it together using what's available to them. So there's going to be things that they just haven't thought about um, and that we haven't thought about either that, that, that are going to happen. Like the submission process, like the people screwing up on Strava or just like someone's video not coming through or like the links were different. So they're not sure what to do. Like there's, there's going to be problems. So we just have to accept that that's going to kind of be the deal, but it's also nerve wracking because you don't want your score not to, not to count. So I can see. I, I would people... almost, I would almost say there's more user error than OCR stars having the, the issues though. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that they've really screwed up. There might've been a couple of communication things that they could have improved on, but a lot of it, I really think if you're just following the, the written instructions or you have the link open, you can kind of figure it out uh, pretty easily. So I, I don't really blame them for too much of it, honestly, if I'm being unbiased. Yeah, and that that's a good point. And, to, and, and that's something that people aren't going to do. In terms of the standards, there is a, an entire rule book. Do not message OCR stars about like the standard for your lunge with the dumbbells. Like it's on the rule book. It's right on the website. So like do a little bit of due diligence on your own and also know that it is just like use some common sense when it comes to the submission process. It's like, if you're fighting for 30th place in the age group, like nothing against you. I'm glad you're out here doing it, but like a Strava link is probably going to suffice. You know, you might not need to have a video or you might just understand like, or for like the submission for gripper chipper, like do your best and just know that they're probably not going to be incredibly picky um, for a lot of, a lot of the submissions. So just don't stress on it too much. Just put anything in and have, and if it is, ends up being a discrepancy they'll let you know and you can like clean it up then um so yeah i I totally agree it's just like the the whole just have your stuff your ducks lined up in a row in case you're asked for it right um i bet a lot of people for gripper shipper they're not going to need to prove it but in case you get bumped up because some people aren't actually touching the the bar with their toes or something like that or they didn't do a full the the right number of burpee penalties if you have that on video you might get bumped up and then be asked or to have it so just just get it and worst case you have a video of one of your harder workouts and you can critique yourself and learn some things on how to improve your form. And you can post that shit on Instagram and be like, yo, check out this beast workout. I just did more. DM me for collab. (laughs) Um, So what'd you think about the mile? Like after getting a chance to kind of, you know, talk to some of the athletes and look at some of the results, what do you Mm -hmm. think of it in terms of an actual test? I think that there are some fast OCR athletes. I don't think that the, 
the times are like a 425 mile is very impressive, but I had two teammates who could run that in high school. And it, I mean, granted they couldn't do half the stuff that VJ or Nick or Mark Batchers or, or those guys at the top can do in terms of overall athleticism and stuff. But if you're being unbiased and just looking at the straight times, they might get recruited to a D one college at that point. If they, if they have potential might, and you know that Mark Batchers definitely was recruited. Chad Trammell definitely was a, a collegiate. Like a lot of these, Matt, uh, Matt Novakovich, who 442 or 444 at 46 years old, that's stupid. Um, that converts to a 421 age graded. So oh, wow. I, I think technically he, in my opinion, had the most impressive performance in the contest. But, um, but yeah, overall, I I think that they're, they're faster than a lot of people thought. But I think the two of us are pretty accurate that that, 450 plus or minus five or so seconds there's a big grouping and we had like 20 plus people in that range yeah yeah that was definitely the biggest grouping and i think we said half a dozen in a sub 430 uh yeah and that's like exactly what it was (laughs) uh no 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 no. we we only had five people 432 or faster um but under 440 you had 15 oh. yeah so, yeah i meant that so i think we said half a dozen for under 430 four yeah 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 but but overall that grouping save like four we had one two three four five six separate people at 444 and then like a bunch of people between there and 455 so yeah you're huge huge discrepancies um or or minor discrepancies that definitely added up to a a big change in placement based on that and this is something i think that you're right like this and most of these people are athletes who hadn't trained for this these are kind of people who just kind of stepped onto the track and Mm -hmm. were just able to rip it and i thought there was a lot of i think if i think a lot of people knew that they were going to be competing i don't think that they changed their entire programming but i bet some people were like you know what i probably need to do a little track work though and it's like this the the nature of this competition is that you can't just singularly focus on the mile then you can't just abandon everything so like a lot of your quality work has to be spread so you're prepared for the the longer event and for the gym workout so most of these people weren't dialed in for the mile i would say nobody was um i i would say well i know like some of the people were definitely doing 200 hard repeats and stuff in the the few weeks leading up to it so i think people were tuning up but i i agree do you so um, if we look at some of the people who ran in the 430s or 420s or so, how low do you think they could have gone if they had... In a race? You know, this, if this competition, this is their initial, this is like April or late March in the outdoor track season and your you're big meets in June, let's pretend it's like start a new year. How fast do you think some of these guys could have gone? 417? And, this, and assuming that this is like, they don't care about OCR training, they're just right. trying to get they're fast. They're training just I, for... I think you'd have a couple people at about 414, 415. Uh, I think you could cut down for sure if you put a, you know put in some serious track spike workouts and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, VJ definitely could. Um, but a lot of these times, I, I think that they're nowhere near their peak, but they don't train as if they're trying to reach their peak just due to how OCR doesn't require it. Yeah, and let's just kind of go through it real quick so people kind of kind of put some names to, to these times that we're talking about. So our guy Nick Masick ended up taking it down at 423. Mark Batchus was four – wait, Nick was 420. I don't know how it happened. 424.48. Right. And then he ran a 60.5 on his last lap. That's a thing with Nick's it, like that was most impressive that to me because I, I'm looking at this. I ended up with the fifth fastest time, like 427 and change. Yeah. And I was completely solo. I didn't have anybody there with me. And I know Mark and VJ 
raced each other. And um, on Chad uh, Trammell's Strava, he like thanked people for pacing them out. So I was like, okay, like if I was in a race with those other people or if I had pacing help, I probably could have bumped things up a little bit. But Nick yeah. was completely solo and dropped a 60 hammer. That, that is that's a gutsy run. There's that no hurt. chance I was like coming close to that. Cause I mean, and he was, he went out like I saw his splits and they were like, went out like 68. <laughs> like he yeah. was just kind of chilling. And then just, I, I think he, he knew he was in good shape, but he, I don't, I think he surprised himself with that last lap. I think he was aiming for around that. I think he went out in 68 thinking he was going to run like four twenty nine, and then mm-hmm. just was able to just really drop the hammer. So yeah, he, if you put him in a race and he even goes out, a second faster on each lap. He's like already at four, four twenty, four twenty one. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, that, that's more of a championship style race that he ran instead of a, a time trial. Hundred percent. Sitting yeah. kick, and then and then Batris, VJ, Chad Trammell, myself, a guy's name Lars, a guy named Lars Arnson. Do you know him? Um, I don't know. I'll look him up real quick as you're talking. Um, yeah, his, his oh no no, no. yeah he he's uh the super skinny guy who Taylor Turney was telling me about in Alaska. Okay. Cool. Yeah, he's he's a really good um, like Mount Marathon that super steep climb. He I think he was like top ten or top five. He and he he was planning on doing a couple of U.S. National Series races. T- Taylor Turney said he's gonna he's pretty legit. Nice. So clearly four twenty seven. Yeah, he's running his the Strava post. His, his looked a little a little strange. I wasn't sure how he was going to justify that. Um, yep. You'll have to look at it later. But and then Woodsy came through. So, at so, so let me ask you. So does this kind of put to rest the Ryan Woods is like this? Uh, ungodly like trust me i 100 recognize his past achievements but i think a lot of people are under the misconception that he is currently a 13 55k runner he's a he's a strength runner at this point mm-hmm. I, I i don't and this, i mean being over 40 years old and still dropping a 432 that's still ridiculous um but i i think that it just goes to show you like vj and mark and a couple of these other guys are actually probably a better flat course runner ryan wood's has gone from just a runner to a great overall athlete. He's kind of made that transition in his career. I think that's the misconception about Woods in general is that he's poor on obstacles and he's not a good, he's not like yeah. a good obstacle course racer. And he you just don't win gets, savage all these times, unless you're good at obstacles. He, he was telling me he could do like a V six or something like that on bouldering, like something like yeah. good. So he is an obstacle course racer, you know, like, and he runs in the mountains and he can run really well. He's not just, He's not, he's not obviously a 13, anything 5k guy now. So yeah, I think that that's actually kind of cool that that was the time that he ended up with. I was a little surprised. Do yeah. you think he's going to run faster? I thought it'd be right around 428, 430, like just dipping under the they're average in about 67 a lap. That was my gut. I wasn't sure how much faster Batris would, would have been than him on mm. a race like this. And you know, who knows what Woodsy was probably by himself too. Yeah. Um, do you know some of these? Yeah. Other- so, so I was going to go through a few. So Sergey Perelligan, mm-hmm. he's has like three podiums at OCR worlds. There's your standard right there. Like four thirty four, And that guy, he, did you ever see that video where it was the European championship last year, where it was him and Peter Ziska at the spear throw. Peter did burpees. Sergey finishes, uh, the spear throw like 10 seconds after him, but has this nasty sprint finish at the end of it no. to pass. I'll, I'll send you that. It's, it's one of the craziest videos I've ever seen, but um anyway sergey had like crazy fast twitch ability there and he's podiumed at the ocr world 3k so 434 shape you know plus or minus five seconds is probably what you need to be in if you think you're going to really do well at ocr world and you're really good 
at obstacles because that guy's an, an animal on obstacles. Uh, Chris Woolley down in Australia, I, I think he he would be on my potential podium for this overall competition and getting that 434 um, with the, that was his first ever mile. He, he actually did it with his friend um, who is, I think she competed in Rio or was just about to compete. In, like she's an Olympic level runner uh, and she helped pace him to it. So pretty, pretty cool story there. He came over to the U S and did a couple of the stadium series races mm-hmm. and did really well. Um, Sean, I don't know. Ivan, Sean Stevens, whale. He got, top 10 at Red Bull 400 world championships. And he's always top 10 or 15 at the U S national state, right around that kind of where you are in yeah, general. Totally. Um, re- really good athlete if, uh, from Canada. He went 437. Taylor Turney in Alaska, 437. Nick Riker looks like he just squoze on or squeezed underneath the, uh, 440 marker. Count it. 439, <laughs> I wonder if they gave him um, 440 and they like wrote a note. It's like, not me. I was 439. Cause they were like ra- they're rounding it up. Funny. They're rounding up. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. It's like, how, how did you get those fractions of it? Um, but yeah, a couple of the times that were really surprising, like 17th, Tyler Veerman, 441, uh, Forrest Bogue, who was top three at Tahoe for over an hour, a couple of years ago, gets a 444 and that's tied with Leon Kofud, who's one of the best 3k races in the world he got top five at ocr worlds in the 3k last year uh ryan kent 444 samuel a bear logan broadbent 446 like hunter 448 uh the one that surprised me the most um that a lot of people probably in the u.s aren't really aware of 31st place sergey Silin from russia he got second, less than 20 seconds behind John Albin in the 15K two years ago. Huh. And he runs a 451. <laughs> yeah. So just goes to show you, like, you don't need that crazy top-end speed. He, he was probably in 440-plus shape at that point, not 451, um, peaking for that time of year. But, like, some of these times are not super impressive by, you know, if we're just being objective. Like, Austin and Azar, 505. I saw that. He's, he said a top top 10 at Tahoe and he's always up there yeah. in, the, in the low teens or so. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it just goes to sh- like Cole Schwartz, 524. That guy's a better runner than that. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, oh, I, I, I just passed him. <laughs> Mike Moralia. We have to give him a shout out for what huge he did. shout but, to Mike Moralia. So he did a 446, but that wasn't fresh. He did a 500 pound deadlift literally seconds before that. That's such a baller <laughs> move to add that as his, as his time warm up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he, he was on he was on the show a couple months ago talking about this challenge that he was going to do pull five hundred pounds and then run a mile all under five minutes, not separating it, not the same day, literally under five minutes, and he mashed it. His yeah. splits are kind of crazy. Like, did you see his splits for his mile? 65, 67, like, like eighty. 80 <laughs> it's like, oh man, that but, yeah. that first eight hundred, you must have felt like a god. And then, oh crap, he may have been able to just run like seventies and run like four forty or something. Yeah, yeah. Still, <laughs> that that feat was stupid. That was crazy. That was great. Dave Castro gave him a shout out. You see that? Yeah. yeah. So nice. very very cool on his end. So yeah, and overall, I really really enjoyed getting back and. Thinking about the nuance of a mile, I think I had just I'd forgotten that it is fucking awesome. Like it is just an awesome race, and it just seems like it's so short. There's not much in it, but there's like little tweaks you can make, and there's the different feelings and and that 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 emerge and where to push, where to kind of pull back, and and what you're gonna need, and, and you just kind of need to nail it. It's like you, it's just. It's very subtle in the ways that things can kind of turn sideways or can go really well. 
and I loved that I got a chance to kind of get back and, and do it again. So I really enjoyed it as a test. Like, and it's really cool to see that it's not necessarily going to be um, apples to apples and that there's a bunch of different ways to do well in obstacle course racing. Um, totally. Agree. It's a gutsy race. And it, and one of the things that I was expecting from a lot of people were really even splits as opposed to a sit and kick thing. Like what Nick did with that 60 on his last lap, that, that was not the norm. If you look at Nick Riker, 440 mile, his last one was 69. So he needed to average 70. He was basically within one second of that. Uh, Tyler Veerman within one second of averaging that. Forrest Bogue, he had a 67. That's a, that's a good last kick. But like Leon Kofud within a second of averaging even splits. Ryan Kent, 444, averaged a 71, which is exactly, exactly that. Exactly, yeah. Like, so, so I think that people are just so used to grinding in that same gear in OCR that that's just kind of what translated to the track. <laughs> right. It's hard to kick. <laughs> Kicking is. is really hard. And that's where, you know, that's where the training comes around. And, you know, talk about Nick Masick real quick. Um, you had him on your athletes the to watch, watch of 2021. Good, good look on that. You're looking, looking smart already. I'm, I'm, I'm a little better than, uh, what, what's the guy the on ESPN, the talking head for Mel Kuyper, you know, his draft <laughs> yeah. pick. A draft, draft board. board like names to watch now nah, he, he gets those wrong all the time my people are definitely backing it up on so I'm, point yeah so far i'm one for one <laughs> and uh nick is uh he was a collegiate runner um and second, he's second at the nationals for the steeplechase and i think top 10 at cross country so legit yeah in uh division was that division two or three naia NAI that's right that's right yeah and and he's done some obstacle course races. He's beat Aaron Newell before. Uh, he ran. He won the Seattle Beast last year, which less Aaron, than a month before Aaron got fourth at Tahoe. Right, right. So that so, was prime Aaron. And Josh Fry was in that race too, and he's no slouch. He was in here. He ran like a four forty something. Um, who's who's also a really strong competitor. So he's done some obstacle course races. Hasn't done a ton. Came out to West Virginia and had a tough time, um, as people do. A lot of people do. Yeah. So, and he's, he's young and he's just getting into the sport. So having just even a little bit of success that he's had and like his fitness is there. So he's definitely gonna be one to watch. Yeah. He's, he's also like 24 or so, just like Nick Riker. So a lot of people are used to, uh, Ryan's watch out for Nick's Nick's need another one. And then you're going to have the, the Nick train. That's, that's a good one. So how about on the women's side or anything else on the men, like any results or anything that you, were surprised about or I think noting. Hunter Hunter is faster. I, I think that he probably still had some lingering effects from Spartan games a couple weeks before that. Oh, yeah. Realistically. Um, I, I think it just goes to show you that you don't need great top end speed. Like Ryan Kent destroyed the stadium series this past year. And that's thought of to be the fast, the, you know, the fastest Twitch event out there. What, you know, good, you have to be a great hybrid athlete. Still, that's a 20 to 30 minute race almost every time. You don't need to be a 420 miler to, to be a really good person in that 20 to 30 minute duration range. It'll probably have some carry over there. But I think it just goes to show you sports specificity is probably going to be a little bit more important than just top end speed or these, you know, like you don't need to have the, the great lifting PRs. You don't need to have great top end sprint speed. It does help but it's probably going to be a result of your other training that gets you there. Totally. Who do you think were have positioned themselves? Well, who do you think are like the big winners? I mean, obviously the top three are the big winners yep. <laughs> at the top, but, so, uh, but for like so the remaining events of what you can project, like who do you think positioned themselves? Well, Chris Woolley, um, has abs of steel. I know he's got great grip strength. Uh, 
VJ is like a monkey. I don't know how how good he is in terms of you know toe to bars because yeah. this whole workout is all about toe to bars. Yeah. Um, for for gripper chipper, I think Nick Riker he hangs in the bar really well. Tyler Veerman's been posting a bunch of videos um, in terms of that, but I, I'm just going down the list and the first name that's like oh he's gonna be good, Forrest Bogue. That if you have a shorter if you're a shorter athlete and you don't have to travel as far on each rep especially in something like toe to bars for if you're a five, six athlete versus a six, two athlete or something like that's, that adds up a lot mm-hmm. and there's less weight hanging from the bar. Um, he's super quick in terms of the, uh, you know, burpees and that's a, a major component of it. He's got unbelievable, um, like grittiness in terms of these, you remember all those, uh, the, the force five games, he did those, some of the anti-camp challenges. Like I, I think Forrest is really going to, set himself up but unfortunately he was in that 444 range and he's got five people ahead of him within a couple seconds so he yeah. might have lost a few places there i think he could be okay like landing in the top 25 i think i agree with chris woolley like coming through top 10 on this one is going to position himself really well um, mm-hmm. you know forrest again he'll probably be, be back here though with the next run um and maybe if, if unless he's top three in to in the toaster bar workout um he might be i'm not sure but i i agree i mean so I think Chris Willie put himself in a good position. I think yeah, Nick Reichert, uh, he was coming back into fitness and coming t- through with the top 15. He'll be good at these other workouts as well. And I, I think Mike Moralia coming with a top 30, like he might win both the gym workouts. I, I think that you're going to have a lot of CrossFitters who ran in that like 505 to 510 range. I'm assuming that there, there are a few sprinkled in there. They might have been 40th to 50th place they're probably going to be top 10 in this one. Uh, Hunter posted a video of him doing the workout and he got third in his own video against four other male athletes. So just it, and he designed it. Um, just goes to show you that you don't, don't expect. uh, And Hunter knew what he was getting into and he put up a fantastic time. I don't, I don't think too many OCR athletes are going to top his time either. Um, what he did, but yeah, Yeah, it's going to be a lot of CrossFit names in this one. Yeah. Let's get to, we'll get to that. Uh, after um, we can wrap up the mile here, let's talk about the women. Yeah. What'd you see on their side in terms of results? Um, I thought it was really interesting. Second place, Rebecca Hammond. She just, she was just under five Oh four and ninth place was Alex Walker five twenty eight. So that right there is a 24 seconds. Diff- that's six seconds different a lap. They were one place separate at Tahoe this past year. Hmm. That is a wild difference in terms of like ability level. And then just behind Alex Walker, um, at Tahoe last year was Amanda Nadeau and she ran a 542, like sixth place at the world. And you're a 542. Mi- it, it just goes to show you, you, you just need to be a really, really gritty runner to have, you know, a lot of success. And it, it looks more so like that on the women's side. I think that most people understand that on the women's side in most races, it's Lindsay, Nicole and Rebecca are kind of on a different level. Faye is very close to there. I feel like Alyssa, she ran a 608, which just blew my mind considering she's had a top three at worlds and always super consistent. Um, she might've been dealing with some injuries or something, but uh, it, I, I was just kind of amazed that at the gap between like the really, really, really good runners and the, the really good athletes on the women's side. Yeah. That's a great point to bring up that the results, I mean, just how we talked about on the men's side, but it just is extremely glaring on this side is, and how much difference that is. Um, with the, the top runners. Did you know, do you know Lainey Marchant? Do you know her? Um, I think that she ended up pacing Bethany McChesney, who's uh, on the Spartan Pro team from Canada. 
And I think she found out about the competition. She's like, yeah, I'm going to run fast and win a thousand bucks. So Yeah. So that's, I mean, I expected more of this, honestly. Like I, I expected a, probably five people, like Rebecca, I, I would have put her right around the five minute mark. I think that if Nicole hadn't been hampered by injury for a long time with her hamstring, she definitely would have been under five. I think Lindsay would have been close, Faye for sure. Um, but yeah, like, uh, Ida Steensgaard from uh, Denmark. She's always a podium threat. I think she won OCR Worlds like outright for the 15K or got second in it um, a couple of years ago. And she's she's one of the best in Europe. She runs a 5.19. And Lauren Weeks, who is uh, great at high rocks and a lot of these um, like the hybrid Decafit style races, she runs a 5.25. And Lauren's a, a very good runner, but I kind of think of her as like, the, uh, the female Isaiah where it's like, she's a lifter who's really good at running as yeah, opposed to a pure runner. Sure. So, so the fact that they were only six seconds apart, um, I just, I, I expected a little more top end speed on the women's side personally. Hmm. I wonder what that, what that is to like where that is and what the background is with most of these ladies who are participating in this. If it is mostly obstacle course race athletes who yeah. might not have the yeah. pure running background. And that's just kind of goes to show when it's a race, like a mile, yeah, There's and, it, and it's not to say that like it's not to say that they're slow by any means, but I'm just looking. If you had a bunch of people in the 420s and 430s and under 445, essentially, that's a pretty solid like high school city meet or so. Like for for high school, if you're looking at the women's side and you have only 12 women under 540, I mean that's that's not as deep if you were comparing it to like the equivalent high school times, if you're a sub five high school woman, you're getting recruited by every division one college out there. Right. Um, but I, I just expected a few more people in like the five O's or five teens or some of the people like a Kelly Sullivan who has dozens upon dozens of podiums in her career. Um, same as like Tiffany Palmer who dominates all along the, the East coast. Uh, I, Faye Morgan's done done some really good things on the Spartan Pro team. I I just would have thought that some of them would have been like five twenty ish or so, but it, it just goes to show they might not have specifically been aiming to get you know their high high turnover speed work in over the the past month or so. But I, I was just I would have thought the times would have been slightly faster. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who ended up not submitting times. You know, like you said, Nicole Cinder Omen wasn't on there. And Kelly Schweikart, Morgan Schultz, Orla Walsh. Like yeah. all, all these are a lot of women that make the field much thinner just by not being there. So maybe it's a different yeah. story if everybody does participate, but um, yeah, I agree. And I think in terms of like a clear cut winner in this, I mean, obviously the Rebecca is going to be in a really good spot, but Lauren, Lauren weeks finishing in sixth. Oh yeah. I think that's huge. <laughs> yeah. Why, these next two workouts is, or the, the, the final two workouts, she's going to be on the podium in both of those. And if she's uh, just by nature, you can kind of predict your 10 K time based on what your mile time is. Like she's sitting in a good position. That's interesting with these powerful athletes though. And the bigger athletes that as the distance goes up, like those trend, those translation charts, they're, they're not always mm-hmm. going to translate the same way that they would for a pure runner. So yeah, I mean, she's probably in a good spot, but we might see her in the 15 yeah. to 20 range. Um, I, I definitely foresee Lauren being on the overall podium for the women though. Yeah. I actually think Faye Morgan is in a good spot here too. She, she was initially in age group. Um, she's in the 40, oh, really? 40, 40 to 49. And she what, had the fastest time, like 40 seconds. And Look then the last split 75. That's, that's moving at the end. Sma- yeah. Smash. So there's probably time to gain there too. And, you know, she has a CrossFit background. 
uh, she's also not very tall and I think she has a pretty small range of promotion as well. So she could be yeah. kind of in that forest bow camp where, you know, now that she's in the mix, she's you know top 15 came through 11th in that mile. She comes through with a good gripper chipper. She could be right in that top five and position for uh, a pretty good, um, finishing two workouts. So I totally think it was agree. smart and of her to move one, on over. What One more name, Regina Lopez. I think that she either won or was on the podium at that Spartan trail world championship that they hosted at big bear. Mm. Um, last year so like for her to have won that as an elite world-class like trail runner running a 511 that was kind of surprising cool yeah so i think that that is a pretty good spot and just shouts to some of the age age group athletes pretty quick some of the athletes yeah. who i coach i just want to give them a quick plug my guy dan schofield run 516 pr top 10 in the 18 to 29 um did you did you kind of comb through the age groupers as well i saw a few like caleb yates he's he's definitely in the clydesdale division he ran a 524 and i think he ran like a 555 beer mile he's the beer mile guy so so, yeah yeah Yeah, he's the the rival with me on that but that that's pretty hilarious that he's only like 30 30 40 seconds apart for a beer mile versus a regular mile so that is some efficiency yeah that is some straight efficiency yeah um yeah, let's let, thirty to thirty-nine. I'm just taking got a James. Look at James Glory. We know him. Yep. He's he's very solid. So he's he, going to be definitely. He, he a, has the most fourth places in Spartan history without a podium. I remember you saying that, and that's hilarious. Oh, it, <laughs> it's brutal. And I've got a podium when he's got fourth in a race. So I'm like, oh, I'm partly responsible. Take so, that. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's a really good guy. I hope he gets it eventually. So that, um, he'll be yeah. in a good spot. Um, Justin Chandler, strong athlete, uh, guy I coach, uh, John Willie Wright had a huge PR and he actually, this is a case that they are kind of checking things. He submitted a video and something went wrong and they pulled it down and then he resubmitted, I think his Strava time and they put it back up. So they are checking this stuff. Like if you're submitting yeah. it, like, so that is just a case of, um, like being careful and making sure you, everything is in a row because they are kind of on it. Got, an, got another observation right there. So this just goes to show that depends on what generation you're in, you're, you're probably going to have a lot of similar names. Go to the the 40 to 49 males, Matt, 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 Mark, Matt. For the, my, my, favorite the part, five. my favorite part about this is that there's Matt Rock and then in third it's Matt Stone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but – I messaged Matt Rock as soon as I saw this. I was like, Matt Rock, what the fuck are you doing in this age group? Matt Rock is one of the yeah, best yeah. elite OCR athletes that we have. Yeah. Like any That's race an that Matt Rock shows up to, he's he's going to go out and, and threaten the podium. He got second in the Mountain Series last year. Uh, <laughs> so I was yeah, like, dude, uh, what the fuck? What are you doing? He's like, gotta, oh, I don't know, that man. Prize. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there, there's some guy, Tom Petrishin from Canada. Um, I forget the exact event that he was in, but he is a former Olympian. I, I think it's in some not tradition. It's like, I don't want to say sailing, but just, you know, some, yeah. some, how the heck did you turn into an OCR athlete type of event? But he won the, uh, 50 to 59 event, but I, I know that he's a former Olympian in some, some matter there. And then Joe Rivera, he got fourth for the men. He, as a 52, 53 year old, he actually podiumed overall in elite last, or maybe two years ago, as a fifty-year-old athlete Whoa. in a Florida race. Oh, so a Florida race, but still, that still counts as a podium. Florida races, definitely, definitely. And and I know that uh, on the women's side in the age group, Deanna Brass or Brit, she was dominating all those tougher mutters. Tougher mutters, yeah. Um, I know the, Deanna. The ten miles for a while, but she ran age group for some reason. But for her, it, clearly, she's 
more concerned about the 10 to 10 a mile to eight hour stuff. Cause she only ran a six thirty one. So clearly she's more of a grinded out type of athlete than, um, you know, top speed type of athlete. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got Michelle Aitken. I've seen her name on the podium a few times. Angelique Chetineau. She's in France. Um, she ran a five fifty seven out of age group, but I think she's on the Spartan pro team or, or was at some point. So that's really, she has a twin sister who's also pretty good over there. But the fact that if you're like a, legit semi-pro athlete you probably should be running uh in the the pro division uh krista dustman she is a pretty solid athlete in the you know the the mid-atlantic region near you um she she was fifth for the women as well and i I think i saw 49 yeah yeah um and i think i saw heidi williams in there for the the pro division she she ran a 706 and she's in her 60s so uh still still cruising and but shouts, she's kind of one of those ones who refuses to to drop down to age groups. She's just got too much pride that she's still good. She wants to mix it up with the best. Good for yeah, her. And good uh, for her. shouts to Richard Bogue, Forrest's dad, who was second place at the 60-plus. That dude's a monster. He's always out there crushing. 635? Wow. He's it's pretty crazy. good. Yeah. I, I bet if you age age grade him, uh, I wonder who would be faster. But yeah. Him or Forrest? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll type it <laughs> in. Real quick. So if he's, you said he's like 64 and he ran a 635? It says 60 plus. I'm not exactly sure what his actual age is. So yeah, just not 61 or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. Four, maybe more. I mean, Forrest is older than I am. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So he is, uh, I don't, I don't want to take up the time, but I'll, I'll just put 65 years old as an estimate. Forrest, he ended up running a 444. Yep. Richards converts to a 458. So Oof. I guess Forrest, you're still a leader. We're down. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> so that, those are just some of the, the overall feeling for things uh, after the first event. So we got through the mile. I think logistically this one is going to give people the most headaches because there was a video involved in and the Strava piece. So I think for the next run, it's just going to be Strava. And because the disaster of the, the conception of what a mile is on a track, imagine six miles on a track, how, how freaking confused people would be. It's going to be like, it says 6.7. My time is way faster. They'll be stopping after like 22 laps. So I yeah. can't imagine they're going to accept Strava uh, or, or a track, like a Strava track time for the six mile. Yeah, it's, it's going to be rough. <laughs> totally agree. But so, but this anyway, thing- let's. Yeah. Should we talk about this upcoming weeks? Let's talk about some gripper chipper. So um, what do you think about gripper chipper in terms of attacking this thing? Are you going to do it with the Achilles? I'm so I'm, I'm kind of in a predicament. There are two CrossFit gyms pretty close to me. And oh my God, let me, let me just go on a quick rant if you don't mind. Do it. So, so I'm, I'm in New Hampshire for two weeks. I'm on, I'm starting my second week right now visiting my family. And I was like, all right, I have to find a gym membership all just so I can get some workouts in because I can't just go running because of my Achilles. Otherwise, I would have just done running for the two weeks while I was here and oh, well. Um, but I needed some cross training ability. So I went and uh, went to a couple of gyms. They're all like, oh, you have the initiation fee, the early cancellation fee. Like I'm not spending 100 bucks for two weeks at a gym. So I went to a couple of CrossFit gyms to try to get um, a, a drop in pass. I went to one of them and the guy was like, oh, how, uh, what what type of CrossFit athlete are you? I'm like, um, I'm not a specifically a CrossFit athlete, but I can kind of hold my own in a lot of the workouts that don't involve like a heavy barbell. I'd, I'd consider myself pretty good at those ones. And he's like, yeah, well, what type of CrossFit athlete are you? I'm like, I, maybe like intermediate level. He's like, do you have any results for that? I'm like, no, but I'm on the Spartan pro team and, you know, I've done races with 
Hunter and been on the same podium as him and stuff and, you know, done races with Jacob Hapner and Chandler Smith. And like the guy's like, Oh, but that that's not CrossFit. Like, are you, I don't know. We don't like people dropping in for open gym if they don't have CrossFit experience. I'm like, I don't need a barbell or anything. And so the guy was pretty much just walking me out of the gym because I wasn't a specific CrossFitter. I was like, wow, I'm not not alive. The cult is alive and well. It's like, we only like CrossFitters here. So, I thought that was like a 2010 thing. Or, totally. Or that, that yeah. reputation. But I, I experienced it firsthand and I was like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll come back a little later today, but uh, no way I'm giving that guy my money. But yeah, I've, I actually had to happen to me in Philly one time I was going to drop in to do the open. Like I wasn't a member. Like I'm, I'm definitely not a desirable member. They probably just don't want people showing up to do the open to leave. So he's kind of like, ah, uh, are you like, this might not be a great idea. It's now it's like, and I didn't want to just come in and be like, no, no, like I'm a CrossFit instructor, like, you know, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And eventually yeah. he was kind of like, I don't think you should come here. I was like, well, I kind of know what I'm doing. And that, is that okay? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So he should have just been like, yeah, just lie. Next yeah. time, just oh, lie. No, I, next, next place, if I, because I'm going to need a gym to, to end up doing this one, because <laughs> I've just been riding my mom's bike, which isn't the best training in the meantime. But yeah, I'll, I'll need to drop in at some point uh, to, to give that a test, because I think that I'll be able to get through this one at least. So with the gripper tripper, we're talking about 200 feet farmer's carry, 100 feet walking lunge, 50 toes to bar, and 25 burpee pull-ups. Each time you drop the dumbbells or drop off of the bar from the toes to bar, it's a seven burpee penalty. So I think when we Bur- first- Burpee bar burpee tap. Bar tap. Not, just, yeah. not an in-place burpee. A burpee, go to the bar, tap it. So I think when we initially talked about this, we thought it was 150 feet walking lunge, and we were guessing it was in between five and 10 burpees for some reason so, i thought it was gonna be five or ten yeah it didn't even dawn on me that it might be seven it and might I think be in the seven, middle right i think seven is the appropriate number i think that that's yeah. perfect i think five's too soon ten's too much it'll kill your time and yeah i i think it's a fair penalty and i just want to kind of go over the standards really fast um just to save people some headaches that haven't gone on to the the rule book so to get started, you are going to have to record yourself on this. You're going to need to measure out 25 feet. And every five feet, you're going to need to put some sort of cone or marker or just chalk on the ground. Because if you do drop the uh, the dumbbell or if you just don't get through it, I guess, it counts as a rep. Or you just know, you'll know where you need to start. Because if you, if you drop the dumbbell in the middle of the five, like two and a half feet past one of the markers, you have to restart it back at the marker. You don't just get to pick up your dumbbells and keep going. So mark every five feet for 25 but- feet. Let me add in there, you don't just start over. You have to leave the area, do mm-hmm. your seven burpee penalty, and start again. Good point. Yeah, because you're not going to be underneath the barbell, when underneath the, the pull-up bar when you're yeah. doing these. Um, so, so most people are going to drop at some point. I would put your your lunge and your farmer's carry zone as close to the bar as possible just to minimize the transition time in case and when you do end up dropping. So make sure you have a measuring tape or one of those measuring wheels and you actually visibly show that on on your tape so it's going to take a little bit of time to get started in this workout and you're going to have to record yourself before that and also wherever you're doing your toaster bar or your burpee bar touches you need to uh, stand directly underneath the bar raise your hands all the way up and if your your thumb cannot be touching the the bar and i think that's a pretty simple standard crossfit try to do it need to be six inches above your fingertips and then it's just like weird and, and like yeah like like so i like the idea of just like where your thumb is so if you have a really long thumb um, that's a bummer, but that's, yeah, uh, that's a thumber. That's a thumber. So that's basically it. So you got to show all that before you get started. You got to show the weights and you have to show the, the measurements of feet. And then you have to show where your hands come, uh, next to the bar for toaster bar. Um, did I miss anything in terms of setting it up? 
far as I'm aware, all you need is a bar, mark it out, and get those two dumbbells. Dumbbells are 50 pounds and 35 or pounds. Or kettlebells, either one. Or kettlebells, if you do want. Um, I would definitely go dumbbells for this. So so after watching Hunter's live video, just to give you a perspective what the top athletes are, there are a couple people, uh, like the, the guy who was recording the video, I think it was Nico Sullivan. Um, he would basically focus on Hunter for 10 seconds, go to a different lane. So you weren't seeing the full strategy of each person. Cause he was trying to get an, an overall perspective, but I remember Hunter finished his farmer's carry in roughly 35, 40 seconds, uh, maybe a, a slightly less than that. And then it was just under a minute of lunges. So you'll probably at best have to have the, the dumbbell or the weights in your hand for about a minute and a half before you reach the bar. Hunter did briefly for like two seconds, drop them, shook them out and then pick them up between sets so as soon as you're done with your farmer's carry you can drop it as long as you have fully completed that and haven't started your lunges i would 100 percent, at least for the first time you do this drop those weights after the farmer's carry like you don't want to drop the weights like if you even if you feel good and you're halfway through your lunges or something just like slipping just to get a regrip on it definitely put those down for a couple seconds yep yeah, and, and hopefully you've <laughs> experimented with uh, lunges or weighted lunges. A lot of people just do lunges. There is a major difference in terms of just driving off the ground to stand back up. And a lot of people like swing them kind of like they're you know trying to get some momentum on them. If you're really good with it, you're kind of keeping it by your side. It might have a little bit of rocking just in terms of like your natural forward progress um, and just rising and falling quickly, but you don't want to just be like swinging these things like a pendulum while you're doing that. I've seen people do that. Like with the farmer's carries during a stadium race, somebody was just like throwing them out in front of him and like running down to catch them. Like I thought it was oh the most God. ridiculous thing. I was like, you must, your traps must've been so lit up and there's yeah. no way. Screw that. And that then you're hanging better. over overhead, you're just activating your traps and everything for probably two minutes on the bar. If at best, after that like, yeah so oh, God. keep those keep those, and they do have to be below your waist i'm glad you did bring that up for the farmer's carry and for the lunges so do not put them on your shoulders they need to be below your hips um i i wouldn't imagine people that like i'm sure that might happen someone's you, gonna put those up realistically on. you are gonna have those in your hand a minimum of 50 to 55 seconds for lunges so if you don't think that you can do that take five extra seconds on you know, after the farmer's carry to shake them out and just be like, all right, this next minute is going to suck. Because as soon as you're done with that, you can rest as long as you want until you get on the bar. Obviously, you don't want to rest too long. But if you drop it at any point in the middle of that, you're looking at a 30 plus second penalty with those seven burpees leaving the zone, getting back. Yeah, it's a long, it's going to be a lot if you're dropping the the dumbbells during the walks and the lunges. How would you attack the, the walks? Would you just sprint? Are you, Walk, you, oh, you're doing eight U-turns, essentially. That, that's all it is. Go the same direction every time just so that you're just doing a tight circle. That's how you, I do it. And would you just run? Would you go as fast as possible? Oh, or? Yeah. Uh, get get it over with. You got to go. You got to burn yeah. it down for this walk. That's what I do in high rocks and stadiums. Like, I I wish if Spartan regular courses had, like, a long farmer's carrot, man, I, I would love that so much. Um, but, yeah, you just have to attack it. You can mm-hmm. run with 100 pounds. and Just pretend to, like – you're it, it's freezing out you're you parked on the street and you get your groceries <laughs> in the garage real quick like you can fake it for 30 seconds and just plow through it totally and i don't i don't see there being any negative consequence to that i mean again if it does start if the weight starts to get away from you maybe there will be a little bit if, <sighs> if you can't make fresh 30 seconds of, or 40 seconds of farmer's carry at the beginning you're not going to make 50 total bars that, no, that's, that's true. what it comes down to and there's a 10 minute cap 
and same with the lunges. I would just go as hard and as fast as you can while in control. There, you're going to be limited on how fast you can go and show control at the top because you do need to extend your hips all the way open when you stand through, and you can't and you have to you can't shuffle your feet because that can happen sometimes during lunges where people come up and then shuffle their feet forward and 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 take their next step. So it has to be clean steps. You can match your feet together or you can step through each time. Um, but again, I would, I would just recommend get it done. if you can. And you're probably most people are going to be able to do this if they haven't practiced only in the first portion of the lunges. Don't do the get up, stand next to each other, then go. Just try to do like back leg to all the way into right. the front. Like, you don't want to match do that shuffle step. Minimize minimize doing the shuffle step on as many reps as possible. Unless it's heavy, of course, because I mean usually that's the case if it's it's a heavy lunge, and for a lot of people it probably is going to be heavy. It is, yeah. So uh, yeah, this is by no means an easy amount of of uh, of weight to lunge for any amount of distance let alone 100 feet so that's still- why i'm saying like if you need to reset before you do that don't save your five ten seconds to shake out your arms just a little, you know just like press your fingers back or whatever just to get your forearms ready for it because you want to try to get through those unbroken if you can segment it so that you can get through you know all the farmers carry unbroken as quickly as possible that's less grip required and then you'll have a little bit more for the lunges so once you're done with that, I mean, that's when the workout begins. And this is the thing with this workout. Um, it's just toast to bar. That's this is the entire workout is toast to bar. They might as well have just started with toast to bar. Just made yeah. it a hundred toast to bar for time. Because yeah. that's essentially e- what this is. E- even fresh 50 toe to bar, like if that's at the beginning. <laughs> it's hard. That, that's brutal. Yeah. And then guess what? Oh, you can't do 50 of them. Why don't you drop and do some burpees? Oh, you got a little tired. Now you're not going to be able to hang on the bar as long. And, and then, then you have to continue the burpees make the toes to bar harder because it's Mm -hmm. a lot of cords still crunching through your abs lifting your legs up uh coming out of the burpee so it's like just doing extra ab reps yeah so i'm going to be cautious and i am going to tell other people to be cautious with these because if you get in over your head with toes to bar on like a first rep it's much like going out too fast for the first lap in a mile it's going to come back on you and there's really, there's almost something you can do about it. So I'm probably going to be pretty conservative here. What do you think is reasonable in terms of how to approach this? Would you just go until you feel like you needed to drop or are you going to go in with a kind of like a plan? I, I would go in with the plan. I think people are expecting this to be grip, but your abs are probably what's going to fail you. I agree. Every time I practice something like this, it hasn't really been my grip, but it's been my core. My abs have been like almost like that crampy type feeling where you can't yep. do any other rep. Um, so I'm nervous about that. <laughs> that is, I, I think that a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, I've got that, that swing going. And then like, they're going to end up getting their toes to here instead of like, you know, missing out on a few inches and then start really scrambling. And then it's like, Oh crap, that was an extra swing and half crunch that really screwed up. And then every little extra thing of movement is really going to add up and like you mentioned a burpee is basically just a horizontal crunch yeah <laughs> like or you know a, a face down crunch that's what you end up doing i've done burpees before in a workout and my abs have actually cramped i'm like what the heck i was like sore <laughs> in my abs later because done so many burpees like oh my god um so yes this is going to be definitely challenging and actually the part that is going when you do this swing so when you flex your abs that's when your legs come up and you're going to kick the bar but when you put when you go into extension and your legs come back behind your shoulders and behind the the pull-up bar which is the standard so every time you bring your feet down they need to be behind the bar so you can't and it's a way just to make sure that your hips are open and it's like completing the rep fully so you're not like just 
coming down with bent knees and just shooting straight back up. But when you come into that extension, when those legs come back behind that bar, that is really where the abs get taxed. That's like an extra stretching of your abdominals. And that to me is what really is hard about this movement because, you know, a lot of times you spend time crunching and or flat whenever goes into that overextension, but these, they do. You're also using your, your core subconsciously trying to stay like, keep a good swing as well. So you're not going side to side while doing it. So even if you're not like doing the crunching motion, you still have to have a tight core to even like maintain that path. Totally. And so, so what do you, what do you uh, like in terms of foot position? Are you more of like a, a tight tuck or you keep your legs long and try to minimize the distance that your toes need to go? Um, if, if I'm describing that right. Yeah, so I think that the latter explanation was kind of almost like what a gymnast would look like, kind of like piking up and having like straight legs and kind of kicking like, touching the bar with their feet really close together, yeah, right? Like a, Unless, v, like a V almost, yeah. but that requires really getting, pushing the bar really far back. And yeah. That's a, that's a huge swing and a huge tax on your shoulders. And you'll get into that. And like, you'll, you'll, the kip that happens when you come through and your, your chest comes all the way through again, that opens up those abs a little bit more. Yeah. It's very taxing on your shoulders. I'm a little bit in between. I pull my knees up and, and definitely flick my legs to kick the bar uh, and come back down. I, mine does still loop quite a bit just to kind of get that momentum and try to use some of that momentum to my advantage. So when my legs come down, it just, I'm able to just allow the gravity to take my legs and just swing back into the toaster bar and allow it to come forward as opposed to having it come down and, and slowing or maybe stopping a little bit. So that's what it's going to look like for me. Um, but yeah, there's a couple different ways to do it. It's all pretty nuanced. Everyone's going to look kind of the same. So in terms of breaking this up, I mean, if you can do 50, like the dude Hunter said, like he did, like the guy did 440 something for this. Um, yeah. That must have been unbroken. I can't imagine. That, that was. Hunter did, I believe, 30, bur- then seven burpees, and then 20, and then finished it off. So basically that Hunter finished like 513 or so. So that's about a 30-second penalty. It makes sense. Just one set, you're losing 30 seconds, and that's essentially matching the other guy. Right. I would say that's what the freak shows would be able to do in this workout. The people like, I don't think there are too many freak shows in this workout. So even the way that the sub 30 sub four thirty for the mile on the men's end, there was like five or six people for this. I could see there being maybe that many that can do 30, 20. What do you think? Even, even that many, I think you're going to have a bunch of, so, so let's say the unbroken standard for most, I think that guy who, who did him a little bit faster, he was, pretty he was pretty short so maybe let's call it five minutes as like your standard because hunter is going to be a notch above everybody else let's just call it five minutes as your baseline every time you have to drop just add 30 seconds to it so if you have to drop twice that's a six minute thing you probably have to go 20 15 and then muscle through your last 15 uh i would do it that way as opposed to like 35 10 and 5 where you're just trying to hang on as long as possible early on i think you're going to have more success doing slightly front-loaded but within your capability and taking a smart break as needed. Um, I think two rests would be a success for a lot of people. Honestly, I, I don't, I don't know how many people are going to be able to make it through in just a single drop. I think you're right. I think that that's going to be very few people as well. And that would be, I think, yeah, two or three people, not including Hunter and this guy that just did it um, from the people who ran the mile. Cause I don't know. Yeah, if he's just gonna allow other random people to go in, it sounds like he is. Like he's just gonna let yeah. people join for one event. 
and 30 bucks for one event isn't that bad if you haven't signed up yet and no. you're like this is my this is my event i can crush it yeah um so yeah i think if you could do 20 15 15 that'd be great i would if i was to do it if i was aiming to do it that way i would probably do 15 15 and then see if i could do 20 in the last go just so just in case 20 is too many um see i'm I'm thinking you might reach 15 on that last one and then be like now i have to go singles and right. hope that your grip is still good do not save your grip for the pull-ups just get just get oh, yeah. rid of it if you need to go sell it out on the uh the toe bars because you don't need it you, you're basically hopping up every pull-up and you just need like six inches of just pulling your chin over the bar at that point right that's just grinding don't, it at the end. don't worry about your grip for the last yeah. one that's just the last part's just annoying so, so that last portion takes people about it was taking them a minute 50 to two minutes to do those 25 burpee pull-ups like that is that's moving like if you do more than 10 in a minute you're you're going at a pretty steady clip they're doing 12 13 a minute and that that hurts at the end of this after your abs are on fire so it just comes up who's got the biggest engine at that point right. um, and who can get through the burpee portion quickly and jump as much as possible to avoid having really use the pull-up mechanics of your arms but you're not going to make up time you're not going to like very, if you very do, unlikely if you do poorly on the toaster bar you're not gonna, the burpees don't matter like you're not and, and you have to realize you're, you're about three say you're one of those faster people you're three and a half 315 into it at that point and now you're starting it there's no penalty for dropping off doing like it is just who can get the burpees right. done you're not going to do burpee penalty on burpee pull-ups right it's done yeah um yeah did you see uh the the, the video of of their competition I, I didn't see the full video through i saw that um you see Chandler Smith? Yeah, that was pretty funny. He looked like he got choke slammed by the Undertaker <laughs> or something. Yeah. He was hanging on for dear life, trying to to get his last couple of toes to bar. I don't. Was it his last? Was it his number fifty? I thought it was his last. But I thought he got up and started doing pull ups. And so that man funny. is not a tiny guy. He he made a dent in the ground. I think. Yeah. So and and legitimately that that gets me thinking. Maybe you want to put some padding behind there. Like, Maybe find your find your swing length so that your feet won't clip it because you're not allowed to do that. And whatever, you know, your feet aren't going to touch, you might want to put, like, People are definitely going to fall off the bar. You're going to see some people, like, did you ever watch wrestling growing up? Oh, yeah. Uh, You're going to have, like, some Jim Ross commentary, like, oh, you got thrown through the table, that that kind of stuff. It's going to be that way because people who aren't necessarily going to be – because when – Chandler Smith was doing that. He wasn't doing like the proper kipping, proper kipping, but the kipping pull-ups they do in CrossFit. He was like tipping his back. He was just like tipping his chest toward the ceiling and just trying to get his feet to touch the bar. And then he just slipped. (laughs) So like it was at the very, very end and just whack. He did about 44 really good ones and then was like, oh God, what did I do to myself? And I think that that's an appropriate way to kind of go about this. So that's why I would caution people to do less first, do 15, 15. And then if you do another 15 and like, yeah, Mm -hmm. even if you do another 10 and you're like, okay, I need to hang on and do 10 singles. Like at least you give yourself that shot instead of doing 20 and then doing 15 and then doing six and then doing five, because that can definitely happen in a workout like this. I think that the six to 645 range somewhere in there is going to be just like the 450 to five minute range for the mile. I was going to say, like seeing people under 630, that's going to be a good time. Yeah, maybe, maybe seven. I, I think you're going to have a bunch of people able to do it in two drops, which means you have to break it up into three sets, essentially, for the total bar. Yeah. But I don't think too many people are going to have you, – you might get a little 10 seconds of separation on the lunges, but I don't think that's going to make or break your race no, at all. It doesn't gonna, do shit. It, do, you, do you recommend opposing grips at all? I've never tried. I've never tried either. That, I'm just thinking like when it gets to the pain cave on those last five, 
do you think maybe like if you can do like a quick little hand transition to to lock it off when you go into singles? Maybe you think that'd be easier for I mean you may get a little bit more bicep to help pull yourself up and it would help your grip, but I'm assuming it's going to be the abs that are going to fail. Do you think it would help your abs to go mixed grip? I've never tried it, so I don't want to give people the wrong impression, but I'm just thinking in terms of like, oh crap, it's my last resort. I must stay on here for three more reps. In general, opposing grips, just like in a deadlift, if you have opposite phasing hands, they kind of fix each other's weakness at the end and help you out just a little bit more. I must say, whenever I try to do my last ditch effort on an actual obstacle during an obstacle course race, it never works. So I would imagine that this (laughs) probably also won't work. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do twelves. I'm gonna do 12, 12, 12, and fourteen. See if I can do that. I'm counting on three drops for this. God, unfortunately, just, what's your burpee pace? I want to ask you. So, with the burpees, do you think it's better if you just like flop to the ground and kind of wormed your way up, A- April D style? Is that what she's do? She's just kind of like, oh, you've never seen. People make fun of her all the time, or the the clip because it was on one of those NBC shows. She's in third place at the 2014 world championship and they're showing her like mr spear and she basically like fl- headbutts onto the ground <laughs> so it could, like just falls and then does like the the, just the worm your way back side. up yeah it was not a good burpee yeah because that's what i'm thinking like a proper burpee where it's like you're almost planked the whole way it's like chest hits first and you're pulling the, yeah like is that more taxing or is it going to be easier to stay relaxed on those and kind of like worm your way back up? i might do i might do single leg step ups single leg step ups burpees or, uh, or single leg step backs sorry oh you so think like you go down and instead of double kickbacks, you just do like one and the other it's, it's like a quarter of a second each rep it might cost you two seconds overall but it might save your your hip flexors for the next part of your yeah. uh, total bars so that's not a bad idea so i don't think the pace is gonna be extremely fast but that like the pace of the burpees <clears> i don't think is what matters it's it's how long of a transition you take after the burpees to get back on that yep. bar that's yep. where the the people's times are really going to deteriorate when their abs start going and then they're just going to stare at the bar for a while so if you can take your time on the on the burpees i think that that's okay as long as you get right up onto the pull-up bar if you do slow burpees and then look at the pull-up bar you won't do that well so, so say you're at 40 burpees or 40 total bars at the end you fall and you're like crap i don't or you're at like 38 and you need 12 more do you kind of do the mental math on how much time, like if you drop one more time, it's going to be 30 seconds. Do I take 20 seconds rest to ensure I don't have to take 30 seconds of a penalty? Or do you like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where you're kind of like do what, gaming the system. I would, I don't, I wouldn't do that. I would just be like, fuck, I gotta I get off. Tr- I would now. trust that, you know, my grip strength will hold out. And if I, if I fail again, guess what? I'm going to just redo the workout some other time. That, yeah. It's not at that point. Yeah. Like having, a fifth set is going to be is going to be bad um yeah so but if, even if that is the case, i i also wouldn't advise against someone doing tens if they know tens are going to be okay and just like accepting that it is going to take five sets just doing that and just getting through it and then yeah getting a good getting a score on on the map and then redoing it just so you can be more aggressive the next time because if you're aggressive this time and things blow up the next time it's going to be harder to go for a cautious score when you, when it's like your last ditch effort. So yeah, I would say be, cause then you, you might convince yourself to be aggressive again. <laughs> like, ah, let me try 25 again and see what happens. Like maybe I got them this day. And, um, and suddenly your, your four days of training in between then helped you become better at, no, that's not what right. happens. No. Yeah. Right, exactly. I, I would, I would almost say that 
yeah, I'm just trying to think in terms of just just strategy at this point. Um, I just, sorry, I just lost my, my train of thought. Give me one sec. I, I had a good point for this. I'm sure it was outstanding, but uh, yeah. I'll just kind of keep talking then. That's fine. So that's one other thing with this in terms of how, how you're going to want to structure the rest of your training because there is a six-mile run later. So I'm definitely going to do this tomorrow, which is Tuesday. We're talking on Monday. Um, so I'm definitely going to do tomorrow. So on Wednesday, I can do a hard running workout and then I'll probably do an easy run Thursday. And then I might take Friday off to see how much, uh, like what kind of freshness can bring into a final effort on Saturday. Because I do think I've done this similar type of workouts after I've done a hard run and I've done it, uh, workouts without a hard run the, the day before. And the hard run definitely was taxing. I was not fresh. Uh, you know, that make might make sense as I'm sitting here saying it, but you think, oh, it's two different modalities. Like they, they might not be connected, but your nervous system still gets shot when running hard, especially a hard mile or a hard intervals preparing for a, essentially a 10 K race. So I'm going to see what it's like to like, I'm going really easy today. I'm gonna go real easy on Friday. Um, to see if that helps out with things like that. So you might want to play around with recovery, but I'm definitely doing it tomorrow so that I can get a hard workout in on Wednesday for the, okay. the I, I, I remember what I was going to say. Nice. It worked. So <laughs> a lot of people during OCR training, they'll, they'll get their run or their aerobic portion of the workout done. And then they're going to do their supplementary work at the end. Do you recommend you just go to the gym, do a nice, easy 10 minute warm up or something, and then go into this as opposed to doing this at the end of your normal session, even if it's an easier session, because 40 minutes of exercise, 50 minute, whatever it is beforehand, even if it's easy, it's still going to impact you a little bit. I would warm up relatively hard for this. I'd probably be like a 20, 25 minute warm up mm-hmm. um, with some dynamic movement, some dynamic stretching, and definitely with some like assault bike intervals. Um, I don't know if I would do too much ab stuff, maybe a couple just to get the flow of things and just to kind of get things activated and see how you're feeling. And really, I would definitely warm up your, your lats and shoulders big time because yep. you mentioned it earlier, you're going to want to pull down on that bar so that your torso comes up higher so that you have less range of motion for your legs to kick the bar. So that's something I would definitely warm up as lats and shoulders and make sure those are activated and really ready to kind of press down on the bar. Um, I would not do my... Uh, workout first. If you want to add miles after this, this is only going to be a couple minutes for a workout. The cap is 16. And if it's 16, you're probably no, resting. It's 10. 10. It's a 10 minute cap. Yeah. Really? I think you're going to have a lot of DNFs. I thought it was 16. No, they showed a video and some girl finished like a 940 or something just before. And it had a 10 minute cap on the thing. Oh, wow. So if that's the case, then definitely do your run afterward. <laughs> like if it's only yeah. going to be a 10 minute workout and like, yeah, even if you're doing 10, you're probably resting quite a bit. Also, make sure you note your time after your lunges and after your, your toes to bar. That's but if you record it, which everybody should, just so you can see form. Because I know I recorded my myself doing toe to bars after just kind of teaching myself a couple months ago. You learn a lot. So just record. Even if you're not going to win a prize, just figure it out. You can, you can see where you need to improve your burpee time. Or you can get an estimate like, oh, it took me 30 seconds to do 10 burpees or something. Or, or 30 seconds to do my 7 burpees. Maybe I can assume that it'll take me two minutes during a race to do that if i fail 30 or something like that right yeah that's a great point you, you can always get to get feedback from this and that's another thing that's been kind of cool about preparing for this the same way that the mile reminded me that it is uh, uh there is strategy behind it like i've been thinking a lot about toast to bar and like how to best do them and and the little subtle changes you can make so yeah recording them and seeing how it can go uh, you might be thinking oh, i'm never gonna do toast bar ever again but this competition might happen next year too yeah. And, and one last thing that I would add onto the toes to bar, just think of how you felt during the mile on lap one. 
like you feel good. You feel like you might be able to keep it up together, but you have that governor in the back of your mind. You're like, this is too fast. Don't be afraid to have that governor on toe to bars for this, where it's like, you know, you feel great, but you, you might not want to go out at 800 meter pace for a mile. Like you want to put a little bit of a governor on there and stop earlier than later. Cause you can't make up that, that grip or ab soreness once it's done. That's a great point. And that's something that you really need to, to consider for this because you will blow yourself up. So have a plan. This is all toes to bar. There really isn't much to talk about for the rest of it. It's just toes to bar. It might as well have been a hundred. I, I would have just might as well. Like that's all what I'm thinking about this. Like, ah, the toes to bar don't go well. It's like, then the workout doesn't go well. Could have been 20 or could have been 30 toe to bar and 30 burpee pull-ups. Just make an even amount, something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for this one, I kind of wish it, I kind of wish it was something different. You know, I wish it was maybe rounds of this somehow um, broken out that would still be but, gripper. But just think, like, I, I do think it's a very challenging work because you need to be aware of yourself in time and space, like on an obstacle while you're swinging around. This this is a controlled movement and about as simple and judgeable as it gets mm-hmm. to as an example of that. Because <clears throat> uh, not everyone's going to have a rig or access to something like that. All you need is something you can hang your, your, from the uh, from above the ground without hitting your toes on the ground. And you have to realize during heavy carries, you're essentially getting compressed and you need a strong core in order to, you know, do a double sandbag, for instance, or the bucket carry on your shoulder or even in front. So I do think that testing abs during a very grip intensive exercise is a good kind of metric, even though it's a little unconventional from what you typically think. I don't dislike the movements. I, I think that they all have merit there. I dislike the organization of the workout. I wish it wasn't a chipper. I wish it was an AMRAP. I wish it was yeah. get, um, get 10 toe to bars out of the way. And then, you know, go, yeah, go I wish it was, I wish it was a hundred farmers carry hundred meter, hundred feet farmers carry 50 feet walking lunge, 25 toes to bar and then 10, uh, burpee pull-ups three rounds for time or something like that. Yeah. Like I, I would, if, if it was just complete everything uh, without the number of rounds, just get these many AMRAP essentially, I would do my toe to bar first and save the farmers carry to the end. Cause I know that my grip's going to be okay on that. And I'd probably do burpee pull up second, get your lunges third, and then just go straight into it. It, it would be a, a completely different strategy. So we won't even get into yeah. it. But yeah, because just nowhere else. Like I mean, maybe this is just me because I'm, I'm worried about what the toes bar are going to be like. But like, that's the entire workout. Like there, yeah. you know, there's not really races that happen. That's like there's one obstacle, and if you miss it, like the race is over. Like there's you multiple. mean the spear. <laughs> yeah, well, you can miss the spear, and you could still catch up. Yeah. They could still be better at somebody at, yeah. at like the rig or something. Somebody could mess something else up, but like you, nobody else can like, no one else can really mess up anything here because it's not I do, long I enough. I do think that we're kind of overestimating how people are going to do on the lunges. I think that's going to cost a lot of people. And there, how many times do people who don't do stadium races see a farmer's carry like battle frog doesn't exist anymore. You only see them in stadium series. Farmers carries just don't exist in, OCR in general, maybe if you're the strength leg of OCR worlds, but that's all that really exists. I think that it's going to surprise people because it's a different, unless you've done a high rocks or the stadium series, those are kind of the only ways you get exposed to it these days. When I was, when I was doing this, I, I felt it more in my shoulders than in my grip, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, like your delts. I was like, Oh, like my real, my rear delts start to kind of light up on this. I was like, Oh yeah. wow. I didn't quite think that that was going to be what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely challenging. But yeah, I just wish there was, I, I don't know, like, like it's not going to, you're not going to make up time. Even if you do poorly on, like, I bet you could take, if you took like two breaks on like the lunges and did toaster bar on broken, 
you'd still probably come out ahead. You'd probably come out ahead, right? Yeah. Because so, most people are going to take three drops. Right. Yeah. Um, so toast to bar workout. That's what we got. Uh, so we talked a little bit about it. Who do you like for this one? I mean, um, we must say that we don't know who else is going to show up. Um, I, I think I think it's going to be CrossFitters who who do really well. If if we're just since we're an OCR, yeah, or of an OCR who podcast, of who ran uh, who ran the mile. I think you're going to do really well just because you're familiar with the movement. Thank um, you. <laughs> VJ is really good on the bar, and he's got really good abs. I'd go pretty good with him. Uh, Chris Woolley, just because I know he's he's competent at this movement. Um, Tyler Veerman has been posting a lot of stuff, but realistic. Oh, we, we didn't mention him. Liam Kofu, that guy can hang in a bar forever. Um, and he's a shorter athlete as well. Then he's tied essentially with, with Forrest um, with a 444 mile. So they're essentially equal on the scoreboard. That could be a good battle. Those guys can hang forever. And they're shorter athletes, really good at uh, functional fitness style stuff and hanging on a bar for a long time. I think that that could benefit them. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some, like there's freaky strong athletes, like someone like a Tyler Veerman or a Chris Woolley, who maybe if they haven't known the w- w- movements very much, because I don't think Chris does, like he, he, I was actually chatting with him for a little bit and he's like, yeah, I mean, I just started to learn these, but I got a buddy who's like a games athlete showing me and he's yeah. just like freakishly strong and he's not super tall either, right? No, he's probably five, eight, five, nine. Yeah, so he's like CrossFit size. Um, yeah. Veerman, same way. Uh, and then I think that like some of the lighter guys might do well, who are also strong, like a guy like woods, a guy like, uh, I know Sean Stevens wall is putting a lot of work for this and is, uh, he's light and can do that for like mentioned mm-hmm. force Bogue, Logan broadbent with his ninja stuff. Uh, again, pretty light, super strong, really athletic. Uh, I'm just looking like Austin Azar. He's sitting in 52nd place with the five Oh five mile. That guy hung on the bar for, seven minutes at the Spartan combine when I was there a couple of years ago. And the guy's a tank in terms of like just core strength. He's just really he big can, and he's just tall and like, long I know that it's big. like most, I'm six one. You're right around there. Yeah. Also. Six, like, right, yeah. yeah it's, it's like all taller athletes. It makes a difference. Um, yeah. But I, I do think like uh, Brent Hastert, he's always doing really well at uh CrossFit or um, high rocks. So he has a little bit of a, you know, functional fitness background he was right around the five minute mark, um, five Oh five for his mile. Not a lot of OCR people know him yet, but if you've done some of those high rock style workouts, he's solid. I don't know how, how good he is from the bar, but I, I do think that you're going to have people who oh, like, I'm looking at 59th place. Someone, Sam Conkey, uh, it says athletic labs, South wake CrossFit that five ten miler. I'm just looking right. at CrossFit specifically. That guy's probably going to do really well because right. it says CrossFit. Um, and he's probably used to doing something. Matt Randolph, 70th place, ran a 520 mile. I bet he's going to crush it. Um, Dude, so I would. Cole I Schwartz would, will probably do well, super strong. But they just. If Matt Kempson does it, I, I would think he'd do really well also. But they're just buried in these, you know? It's like. Uh, they, like they really, really buried himself in this. Um, yeah. How about on the lady side? What do you think? On the ladies' side, I would say anybody who's <laughs> who's got a CrossFit background. I think Nicole would have done fantastic if she entered it, just because she's a great rock climber. Um, I know that Rebecca, she does a lot of like mixed style. She's training done CrossFit just before. Running. Yeah, she knows so how to. I, do. I she's smart. She, she knows how to move. She can do really well. Lauren Weeks, we just know she is just <laughs> she's a regional CrossFit athlete. Like she's going to do great. Alex Walker has probably top five grip strength in the sport for women. She'll do great. You mentioned Faye Morgan, just in terms of like 
just body awareness. Uh, I, I think she has a gymnastics background. If not, she's just really good at handstand push-ups and walking because I've seen her do some stuff like that. Oh, right. Um, she'll do really well. Amanda Nadeau, I remember on Instagram, she had some some stories and pictures where she's just doing like one-arm L-sits hanging from a bar. It's like that's that's ridiculous doing that kind of stuff. So clearly got some uh, some core strength there. But I, I, would, I would say if there are any – pretty mid-pack CrossFit runners who who did in the mid-sixes or so, I think that they could jump up. Um, but I'm just looking at the at the list, and I don't know everyone's name off the top of my head. But, yeah, it's – oh, Alyssa. She, she's on there. Alyssa, Alyssa Hawley. definitely. Like, Kelly Sullivan, did you say that? I missed it. She's CrossFit. Yeah, Ke- yeah Kelly Kelly Sullivan's sitting in 23rd place right now. But, yeah, I think, I, I think we'll have some shaking around. But it looks like the men's field is a little bit deeper in terms of – number of athletes at the moment so so how this this is up your wheel up your wheelhouse in your wheelhouse not up your wheelhouse <laughs> up your alley my, yeah yeah my alley there we go it is up your alley and in in your my wheelhouse. Yeah. this is yes this is something that you you would enjoy talking about how is the scoring in this do you know how this is scored yeah it's, it's crossfit open style and what's that add, add your places together the lower the score the better oh it's like cross country so if you win every if you win all four events you end up with four points that's the best possible score I see. Okay. So that makes sense. Cause I saw that there is a point, there's a total and there's points and it's one next to yeah. Laney yeah. Mar- Marchant. Um, so is it, I, I haven't quite thought it through or sat down to really uh, think if I'm going to have to gripe about this. Yeah. Is it gonna, if a bunch of CrossFitters come in like this, say this guy put his, who did 444 to get the thousand bucks and say like, you know, Matt Kempson comes in and a bunch of these people come in are their points going to count toward the total like and if it bumps guys like you know me or vj down and then they they aren't they you don't have this influx of athletes coming in for the six mile you have less yeah i i think that it should be definitely percent a winner you know i feel on that on basically every argument it's if you ran if the fastest is a 424 uh, and then I'm just typing this in and then you ran a six minute mile. So you're 73% at that point. Say that you do gripper chipper in four and a half minutes and, uh, or the winner does it in four and a half, you do it in six, that's 75%. So you're essentially equal athletes at that point. Um, and, and now that I think about it, actually, this is probably going to be really similar to the mile in terms of like the fastest time, um, probably about four and a half minutes, but we'll, we'll see. I thought but about yeah, that I, too. I, yeah, I thought <laughs> yeah, but but basically, I I think that it doesn't reward you for how dominant you were, because um, there there are athletes on the men's side, for instance, who are slower than six minutes. Who, they should probably be like a seventy percent, or a, you know, because there's no difference if you ran a nine minute mile or a six forty in your last place. Your last place, right. it's the same amount of points given to you. But if you're crushing people in the second workout and you had a poor first workout, like you take your hundred percent, your seventy percent, you add them together, and now you're like an eighty-five percent average. So you you are you might have the same average rating as somebody who did middle of the pack on the other two. Like it, it just kind of rewards you for consistency, as opposed to well, I I lost to this person. That's kind of how it is. And so that would kind of eliminate what my concern is. Like, say you do gripper chipper in. Uh, 6.30 and I do it in 6.40 and there's like 20 guys in between you and I. 
and that yeah. hurts my score by that much. And like but, you're essentially the same, but person. the percentage is how, the percentage isn't that much different. You you did two burpees at the end faster than someone, or something. That's what it comes down to. Right, right. Like we were together the entire time. Like everything was broken up the same, and yeah. then those same people are not there, or the same like for the next workout. So it doesn't have the opportunity to kind of displace people. Yep. But the performances are kind of the same anyway. Relative to each other. Yeah. Or if you have people after event two who are like, ah, I'm not in competition or not in contention, I'm done. Or you can't make it this week because of some commitment or something like that. And I, I hope people do compete in all of them. And that's myself uh, coming from my injured perspective. I'm, I'm going to try. I might not do the 10K, honestly, just because that's a, a, little a lot much. for yeah. the Achilles. But I'll try to probably do the other ones if, if my Achilles can handle it. But yeah, I agree. It's like if you're doing it just based on simple subtraction of places, and then there are fewer places to make a gap later on. It's like that's kind of loaded towards the end where it, it doesn't really matter how, how well you did at the end because you made up all the, the time early on. Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're out here trying to push push ourselves as hard as possible. And, and we need to be happy with the best effort that we put forward. Yeah. That's what I would tell myself if I was coaching myself. To not fucking worry about this scoring, but it's just something that I thought about. So, yeah. um, well, we'll see how that plays out down the road because there is money. There is money on the line here. So, who's your who's your pick to win it from OCR athletes? I am going to pick Mike Moralia. I mean, you're you're deadlifting 500 plus pounds. Your grip is pretty steady uh, or, or pretty solid at the moment. Just that he was um, able to run a 440, what a 444, 446 off 446. of off of yeah exclusively crossfit training he doesn't run like at all yeah yeah that's that's really legit um i'm gonna probably put you on the podium Ooh. for crossfit I, I think that you're not gonna end up doing 12 12 12 14 i think you're gonna end up only dropping twice we'll see Ugh. um i think you're gonna do really well and i think that forest and leon will do really well well i hope that i do well as well but um i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard press so i, I was looking and seeing who would be on the podium after this so i mean if i do well I, I would be i mean who would be in first after this if your prediction comes to fruition then i would probably be in first place but say i don't who do you think would be in uh first place after event two i'm just looking at you know why are why i can't even believe we didn't even mention sergey perelligan wait a minute that guy's an animal like he he's He's the guy from Russia who has all those OCR world podiums. Mm -hmm. um, he can hang on it all day, and he's super skinny uh, and got great core strength. Clearly, from the, you know how shredded the guy is, I you know he, he might actually do really well. And we're just completely overlooking just him. Don't even know him. Um, yeah. I I think Chad Trammell's going down. Uh, no offense, he's only done trail run in the past few years. Um, grip strength does go away, and if. <laughs> You're, you're not a CrossFitter or, you know, a functional fitness athlete anymore. It's, it's going to be hard to recover. Lars Arneson, same deal. He's a um, track or trail runner up in Alaska. I don't think he's going to do as well. So I, I think that you'll probably see some people from the teens shift up to the high single digits. Um, VJ is probably going to stay at the top. I don't know Nick's grip strength. Mark is improved, but I think he struggled at a couple Savage Race obstacles. So that might kind of hurt him. Uh, if he's not doing a ton of toe to bars, but and he's, 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 there's no CrossFit background there. You know, that's kind yeah. of the thing too. It's like, if you've done CrossFit a little bit, if you can learn these movements somewhat, like yeah. you might be able to, to, and like, you're just strong. Like, that's why yeah. I think someone like, uh, like, um, 
uh, Tyler Veerman, who's just strong, figured out how to do it. He knows he's, he's a great, great athlete. He'll yep. just do well. Um, Nick Riker, same deal. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, and then on the uh, the women's side overall, I would say I'm 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 going to go with Lauren Weeks. She's just <laughs> I, I think she's going to win the whole competition for the women. She's a good enough runner and a great enough strength athlete that it's going to that's going to lead to victory for her, in my opinion. Yeah, huge win for her, uh, coming top ten. And having mm-hmm. a lot of these other women who would add to the depth not submit a score. So um, she's in a great time. I agree with you 100% that she'll probably be in first after this event. And yeah, on the men's side, I, I don't know, Sergey, but I think that that's a good call. Chris Woolley, I think he's he's in the mix for that. Um, but I'll say VJ, say so he can do okay. Maybe he'll okay. end up with a sub 630 somewhere and just kind of be in the mix and just with a top he's gonna be doing it at altitude so that's true do you think this one matters at altitude or does it always matter at altitude no maybe five seconds or so like the burpees it'll impact you a little bit right there but yeah yeah i as someone who lives at altitude i wouldn't be worried about submitting this particular one the mile and the 10k absolutely that's a difference maker but not this one thinner air so your feet can travel (laughs) through it faster yeah yeah oh just slice and if you wear spikes on this like even less definitely put the track spikes back on for the toe bar um yeah yeah, because i was thinking that same thing i had one last thing uh yeah so now you talk while i think okay yeah overall i mean this i hope that people continue to do these even if you think you're out of the running because whether you're in the pro division which we're obviously talking about because those are the best of the best marks um, or if you're in age group, I think that you should still compete to just kind of get the experience and see maybe there's a reason why Hunter McIntyre trains this way and it might make a difference in your training. You'll never know if you don't try these kind of workouts and, and there's a purpose behind it. And that's, uh, that's something that I'm definitely going to kind of put into place for my next training block is like, let's see how this goes. Let's see how this goes. If I train like this with the running stuff, instead of trying to abandon it, I've never quite done this style of training for an extended period without training for something specific. And I yeah. like it, so I'm going to keep doing it. But yeah, I agree. I think I'm, that's a great message. I'm torn on if I should do like high rock style. I'm I'm going to do stadium series. If they have a stadium series world championship, that is my A race of my career next year. Like I, I'm going all in on that style of training. But I'm I'm still not sure like what I really want to focus on. And this is kind of like get especially while having to cross train a bunch right now. This is like you know what I I really do enjoy this style of training, and I think that a lot of people might not have tried this style before and you might see some new faces in the stadium series and deca fit and high rocks world as a result of this it's fun yeah it's really fun so i agree i'm, I'm with you on that um cool well we've gone long enough covered a yep. lot so yeah get out there get to it let us know what's going on oh i was gonna say this was not anything important, <laughs> anything important at all but in philadelphia we still need to wear masks in the gym so yep. at least one attempt, I'm going to be completely masked. So that I, I have done that for every single workout period, every training session I've done for like the past three months since I started going back to the gym. I'm so just not I'm, even worried about it now. I'm just like, okay, that's just how I'm going to have to breathe yeah, for this that. Is how, this is how my lungs work these days. Uh, like, yeah. You, you have to wear a mask. So yeah. My second attempt, like it's just within the city. My second attempt, I might just go outside of the city and just like not wear a mask but so you, you do it on like a playground no like at other at gyms that are outside of the city like if i go to oh, okay. a gym or like um a buddy mark falcone owns, owns icor out in westchester i was talking to him maybe going out there and doing that so yeah. um yeah. but yeah one one attempt mask try to try to get it tw- get at this twice for sure early and then as late as possible yep, yep. and use that wad proof app it's it literally you will not screw up 
I used it for the first time five minutes before I did my track workout for the for the run. And it just tells you like, here's your timer. You want to start your workout. It lets you set how long of a duration for your countdown beeper timer, essentially. And it's always uh, displayed on the screen. So just get yourself in view. Um, I think you need to set it up at an angle where you can clearly tell that the tips of your toes are at least at bar height and that you can hear you know, the noise of the bar being contacted with your feet. Yeah. And that can be tough. If you have somebody that can record you, that's even better. Even better. Yep. Can... Don't, don't try recording yourself with, uh, while doing the total bars, it won't work. Not the way that you did with the mile. Oh, no, no, no. I meant like holding, the holding, like you did with the mile. Yeah. Like you were, yeah. you were cruising. Yeah, yeah. I will not be trying that single arm toes to bar <laughs> OCR yeah. stars 2.0. Yep. Cool, man. Where can people find you? Uh, let's put a link, I guess at, Jack underscore Bauer underscore OCR. We will do that. We will be back next week to talk about who crushed the gripper chipper and how to crush the six mile run. Absolutely. It's going to be awesome. All right, dude. Thanks for coming. See you, Rich. All right. Yeah, we just get chatting. That's a good time. We can just nerd out with Jack Bauer. And is is there a better hook man in the game than Jack Bauer? He's like the Nate dog of OCR podcast. You know, Nate Dogg, greatest hook man of all time. You can say T-Pain, Akon, good hook man. Chris Brown, underrated hook man. But Nate Dogg, greatest of all time. Jack Bauer is the Nate Dogg of OCR podcast. So I hope you did enjoy that information. I hope it's going to be helpful for you going through the OCR stars. And again, I just want to put on your radar that we are starting strength training for runners and for obstacle course race athletes. This is a coaching program, not a template. This is live moving workouts with a coach behind it to keep you accountable. It's $19 a month. But if you are an avid listener and you want an opportunity to get that first month at a deep discount, we are offering that to you. And and here's what you need to do. Just give us five-star rating and a quick review on iTunes. Take a screenshot of that. Shoot it to me on Instagram, reinforced underscore running underscore rich, or at reinforced running. uh, I'm sorry, rich at reinforced running.com for email if you don't have IG. Then we'll send you a coupon code that will credit you for one full month for completely free. Uh, well, basically free. It's like a dollar fifty-two for processing and fees and everything like that. Whatever. Um, so that's the deal. Deep discount, one month for strength training. So let's get after it.